This episode is brought to you by Happy Mess. Happy Mess? The kids' art place? Yeah, they do art classes and sensory play and after-school programs and in-school classes and birthday parties and camps. And adult events. Buy tickets to our next paint night or book your own for your next occasion or staff party. Check it out at www.happymess.net. What's www? World Wide Web. This episode is brought to you by ServiceMaster Sea to Sky. A home is more than just a house and an office is more than just a place to work. ServiceMaster is here to offer home and business services when you need them the most. ServiceMaster handles water, flood, fire, and reconstruction services. We take on jobs big and small. There's no project we haven't seen before. ServiceMaster, the complete customer experience. Call us at 604-938-0822 or on the web, smctosky.com. That's smctosky.com. ServiceMaster Sea to Sky, restoring peace of mind. This is the Sea to Sky podcast, weaving through the issues in Sea to Sky country. Welcome to another 2022 Squamish Municipal Election with myself, Stephen Fryer, and my cohort, Marcus Monopoly. And today in the pod shed, we have none other than Gord Addison. How are you, Gord? Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me here. Great to see you with the, you guys. I didn't know you guys were friends. It's probably a, I've lived, a, a I don't think, thing. Do, do, do we classify as that yet? Oh, are no. you classified as we're friends kind of, or <laughs> acquaintance? No. I think it's more, it's more hated than that. <laughs> <laughs> he did rivals that are okay with each other, uh, like passively aggressively. Maybe you know, get into it with each other. You're, you're, you're whatever. <laughs> so, Gord, you're a longtime resident here in Squamish, and now you're putting your hat in the ring to run for council. Why now, and why do you feel compelled to do so? Good question, and I still wonder myself. Um, I've been involved in politics since high school. And that, and more on the running the campaigns, and and then a lot of getting involved in policy and communications work and stuff. Been a lot of that, and then uh, when it came up to this election, I think through um, through the Squamish Ward project, I really was diving into some municipal issues and looking at what other locations were doing. I was really hoping some re- there's some really excellent people in town that I was really hoping would step forward, and for whatever reason they couldn't or declined to. And so he's looking um, at you, Friar. I just saw that glance. (laughs) He's not looking at me. He's looking at you. (laughs) No, no, no. I feel like I've disappointed Gord. It was getting close to the deadline. Nobody was stepping up. And I kind of look back at the things I've been looking at. It's like, I I think I've got some really good ideas to bring to council. I've, I've looked into how other communities are getting contributions from developers that were not. I've, uh, you know, I've looked at the housing challenges and some of the issues and economics behind that. So, I think I've got quite a bit to come to the table. I've got, you know, a long history in Squamish. I really, one of the things the last council seems to have kind of disconnected from the outdoor recreation DNA that Squamish has. And that, you know, whether you're a walk a walker or a hardcore downhill mountain biker, outdoor recreation is important to Squamish. I just want to kind of reinfuse that um, DNA, if I can, to, to council to Squamish so people feel a little more connected to the outdoor recreation. You know, we don't have a, a, a boat launch, an accessible boat launch for everybody. When we build new neighborhoods, we're building really good trails, connections to those neighborhoods. It doesn't seem to be top of mind for the current council, so I'd like to kind of reinfuse that. So um, we'll, we'll get to all that, but first, you, you did throw out Squamish forward, and I, it's just one of those things of Squamish first, Squamish voices, Squamish forwards, Squamish speaks. The, what what is Squamish forward and all and all this Squamish stuff that <laughs> that seems to be yeah. on the internet? Okay, so Squamish forward. Everybody who writes there has their name on things. You know, I've 
put things out there, my name and face on it. You know, happy to have any discussions and critiques pointed at me. Um, I mean, I think I learned in university politics that, uh, you know, anonymous attack stuff doesn't work. It, it becomes, the issue quickly becomes who's behind this, not what you said, right? So if you want what you said to be taken seriously, you got to put your name behind it. I mean, we put something out that we just went down to the university print shop and forgot to put a name on it. We, we didn't care. We would have had our names on it, but um, we forgot. And then it all became who's behind this. I learned that lesson a long time ago. Anonymous tax stuff. And I think it actually very much backfire. Um, there's, you know, a lot of people who have empathy for the people who are attacked because they're largely unfair attack ads. Is it really going to be effective? Don't think so. Um, the, so Swamish Forward kind of, um, there's some businesses, including Wood Fiber LNG, who were kind of got it going. I wasn't really involved at the beginning, but then they got a few articles out and they had kind of this concept. Then um, they were looking for someone to kind of quarterback it. Evan got really busy with uh, a kid and a new job. Gord, you know, you kind of know how to run a website, so will you do it? And and that, so I kind of stepped up, wrote a couple things, and people started coming to me with, with things they had concerns about, and we started putting out the whole plan to lease City Hall. Grant and Brian and Bob came to me and said, like, we're really concerned about this, and like, okay, well, let's put something together and put it out there, because, you know, there were people walking around saying it was a done deal. I don't know. Um, so, you know, did we bring that to light? Yeah. I mean, I, I did some work on the community many contributions and stuff. Not a lot of people read three, four thousand page statements on the minutia of municipal policy. But, um, you know, it was, it was a project to do. And it kind of got me more interested in municipal politics, political issues and stuff. And and the financial, like there wasn't ever a whole lot of money. I think we maybe spent four or five thousand dollars on promoting Facebook ads over the year and that was myself evan some of the businesses and businesses in town yeah so essentially it's a group of people who who are essentially providing their editorials on certain issues around town yeah op-ed pieces editorials yeah yeah again you're standing by those pieces your names are on those pieces the individual's names are on those pieces and they stand by them um do i agree with everything bob brandt said or would i have phased it that way no, I mean, they're not, I was just the editor, right? Or the guy who took the pieces, right? I mean, I'm sure you guys have people on that you disagree with, but yeah. you provide them a platform and stuff. Um, I thought there was, there was good stuff that Ron ends and uh, other people coming forward and hey, I got something to say, you know, um, or I've got a concern about this and, and yeah, okay, that, yeah, let's put it out there. Yeah. They're, they're, you know, I found them to be informative pieces, provoked conversation in a factual and, and quite honestly, a respectful manner so that at the end of the day if they're going to be put out there people's well, if you, names if are you're, behind if it you're compor- you if you're comparing it to squamish voices yeah for sure 100 times <laughs> what, what's your background gord i mean and you talk about communication and taking politics in university what, what's your background uh my full-time job right now is digital marketing director at marwick marketing so search engine optimization google ads i don't really do the social stuff but i've done that in the past for other places than that so um grew up in burnaby did my business and economics degree at sfu Worked a year in Victoria, a couple years in Ottawa, a couple years in London, England, did a whole bunch of traveling. Along the way, I got really into rock climbing. Uh, I got the bug hooked, making that decision in life, uh, you know, stay in London or go to Squamish, go climbing all the time and, and that. So came to Squamish, opened up a hostel to support myself and to and because Squamish really needed a, an affordable place for all these travelers coming through and that. And then uh, built the what is now the Adventure Inn on the highway. And that, which is now being run really well as uh, the hospital was supposed to be. Um, got that built up and running. Um, had a business partner. He had more money in it than I did. And so he wanted to sell. So we had to sell. 
and that and since then it's been largely digital marketing um, and a bit of consulting contracts on the side. And I have these really serendipitous connections in life that just end up to these crazy jobs like uh, and that. So Garibaldi at Squamish was a, a woman. I w- when I first went to Ottawa, I had a buddy and his roommate and I slept on their couch for the first month I was in Ottawa. And then she ended up married to Mike Essler, who was the first guy behind the Garibaldi at Squamish. So I got a phone call when he was working on this project in Squamish and hey, you know, and that and a lot of that work. I don't think I really kind of lobby council. A lot of that work was explaining Squamish to the proponents and that. So, for example, uh, people might remember the first Garibaldi at Squamish plan had this really bad idea for golf courses and that that nobody wanted, nobody saw a need for and was going to take up a whole lot of really great land in that. And so I sat the guys down, um, guys from Gravity Logic and a, a couple other guys around town that uh, built mountain bike trails. And they kind of explained to the Garibaldi at Squamish team, no, you want to go mountain biking in the summer. This is why, and this is how we do it. And we build the trails and lots of people come and more people than play golf and they spend money. And that kicked off the change to, yeah, now a lot of people don't like the Garibaldi Squamish project still, which I understand is going through a lot of changes in that and whether it actually gets to the top of the agenda because Squamish Nation has a lot on their plate, an open question, but um, it was making a better project. So listen, Gord, there are a lot of issues uh, at hand here in the 2022 Squamish Municipal Election. Density. Density is a huge issue. Um, we want to know, do you think we're, we're growing at the right pace? Do we think the downtown is growing at the right pace? Do we think development needs to be paused? Do we need to speed it up? What's your thoughts on density? Big picture, I think we need more balanced growth. So going really hard on density in certain areas, you know, we're just piling a bunch of people on top of each other and it's not making them happy. So I'd like to see a little more balanced growth, a little more, not just condos downtown. We need we need townhouses. Uh, we need row houses. I think row houses would be a great option for Squamish. Um, and some single family houses. People, we, we need the variety. And yes, with condos, you get the density. In theory, you get cheaper houses. Um, however, it's interesting. There's um, I've done a lot of reading and, and research on the whole housing challenges. And it, obviously, it's right across Canada. All, all, all across Canada. I mean, the low interest rates really drove investment. So now that's cut off and things are getting a little more reasonable. But if you look, you know, right across Canada, there's factors and there's also factors that are more unique to Squamish. So um, as one of seven on Squamish Council, do I have any control or say over interest rates? No. Do we have any control over, say, over immigration levels? Um, No. Squamish is an amazing place. I think there's going to be demand here always, no matter what happens. We have to grow, we have to provide the housing. And we have a serious problem with housing and just providing, I mean, it's not just baristas and retail workers who can't find a place they can afford to live. It's doctors and mechanics. We have a serious housing challenge. The The supply is going to help that, but density, just piling people on top of each other, not the best. I think we need to, you know, kind of balance it out, a little more variety. There's a UBC professor, um, Patrick Condon, who's done a lot of work in this area and actually wrote some interesting studies. Density doesn't actually solve your housing problem because, you know, you look at your housing assessment, what's gone up, the value of the land that is in limited supply. So yeah. And you know, Vancouver and Swamish should be the cheapest places to live if density solved the problem, but it doesn't push the value of the land up, value of the condos go up. And you also with limited land supply, bring in investors as a target, right? Can we solve those problems in the next four years and everybody can have a house, the price of you get in Calgary? 
No, but we're not Calgary. It's going to be, you know, a little different to, to live here. Interesting stat- chatting with some of the district planning staff. We have, you know, the 30% target might not be appropriate for, for your income of, of rental, might be not be appropriate for Squamish. Um, you know, it might be on average a little bit higher. The hot density issue, of course, has been things like Garibaldi Estates, potentially next with Valley Cliff or um, Brackendale on the chopping block. And do they get density? You know, number one, one of the smart growth kind of principles is you don't tear down perfectly good housing to build new housing. Um, and those houses aren't that old. Think that where the district's going with high, you know, high density plans for Garibaldi Estates, not the right way to go. You know, maybe a little bit on the, the fringes, you know, uh, they want to build a spectacle building too. Okay, maybe, you know, right in the corner there, you don't have a lot of traffic. Let's look at that. Someone wants to subdivide their 30,000 square foot lot into two houses or something like that. Look at that. Someone wants to knock down, build a duplex, probably okay. But, you know, the the notion of taking down perfectly good housing, where, where people are really enjoying their life, gardening and stuff like that is is probably, for de- you know, not the way to solve or not the place to put your density. With all that, what I'm hearing is that the only way we're going to get housing for everyone is a little bit more sprawl. Because if you're not like if you're not big on the densification, because that's not the right way to go about it, yeah. and you're not looking at densifying current neighborhoods, then where are we putting the housing? Is that that sounds like sprawl to me? Neighborhoods like Brackendale, Valley Cliff, are they technically they would be sprawl, but they are neighborhoods that people love to live in. Sprawl is kind of is you know we're not Vancouver, we're not Toronto. It's not, and we'll never have sprawl in Squamish. We our land. One of the big challenges in Squamish is our land base is limited and very expensive to develop. I mean, if you're in the floodplain, you got to come up for the flood thing and you got water table issues. If you're going up to District Lot 5, 9 and 10 or uh, Crumpet Woods, you got rock faces, things you got to blast out of the way. It's challenging to develop here. I don't think we'll ever have like acres of subdivisions like you have in, in Toronto or Calgary. They're already working through Crumpet Woods. Um, there's there's two sections there. Five nine, five ten might come back on the agenda, um, but there's a lot of work to be done there. And then there's also um, uh, if they build that barrier, the Ross Road development too in in Brackendale, which is uh, the last I looked was pretty well low to medium density and stuff. So yeah, uh, the current council has been really tight in the, the growth boundary. My background took economics in university. You know, second day of the class is, you know, first day is, you know, about supply and demand. The second day, you know, the professor draws a, a, a line down and says, OK, what happens if you limit supply and demand goes up? And as we all know, the price goes up. These growth boundaries, you know, um, have limited the supply of land available in Squamish. And that is a major driver of price increases. I'm, I'm just stating that as a fact. You can't limit the supply of land, have increasing demand and suddenly expect prices to go down. Just not going to work. There's going to be conversations, and this is one of the things that's also been lost, I think, is we have to really focus on building great neighborhoods. Brackendale, Valley Cliff, probably built without much of a plan back in the day, but they turned out to be great little places with, you know, trails nearby and parks and connections to other places we want to go and recreate and, and play in that. So let's have, you know, that kind of lens on the new neighborhoods that we build when we build them. We've talked a lot now about density. We, being Marcus and I and, and, and others, tend to feel that all of this is interconnected. Everything is interconnected. You've touched a little bit on housing affordability. How would you support the current housing society that this past council has created? And how are we going to create more affordable housing in Squamish? What's your plan? Three-point plan. Um, I've, I've certainly had my criticisms of the, the current council, but the you know, one thing they did an amazing job of 
A plus is getting that housing society together because that puts us on the path to actually owning houses, housing units and collecting the revenue from them, building up that revenue, building up a housing, affordable rental housing bank that we that we actually own. Because in the past, developers would come on and designate affordable housing units, but then there was no, according to the people I talked to at City Hall, there's no real kind of monitoring of that long term. So we don't know what and where. So this is a huge step forward. As far as affordable housing goes, number one, we always have to take care of the most vulnerable people, you know, the homeless, the the people having real challenges in their life, and under one roof and their programs and the, and the food bank. That's you know from everything I've seen, doing an amazing job, and we've got to support them. Their next places they hope to go is working a lot, a little more. They've had a crazy few years with COVID and obviously the huge crisis in Squamish with just affordable housing and that. But they want to move on to focusing a little more on um, recovery and prevention, which is really where they need to be. Well, and, that's where and the healing to. happens. Yeah. yeah, the healing. Yeah. So they've got a clear focus on where they want to go and work and, and that. Uh, so that's that's number one with affordable, affordability. There's people who, I mean, yes, your rent's expensive, but some people don't have a place. Getting on to rental. So supporting the housing society for sure. Everything. They've got some great people on the board there. Smart understand the issues, um, not into it with rose-colored glasses. It's going to be a challenge, but everything. number one, everything we can do to get more affordable units uh, under the Squamish society control. Number two, uh, you know, fast-track any purpose-built rentals. They might be market, they might not, but at least they'll be out there and people can find rent and that should increase the supply of, of market rentals. And then the place I'd, I think is really important to get to is... Um, like Whistler has is a and uh, is a program where you can actually build equity, right? So ownership, um, whether that's you know kind of the Whistler model where you you buy it at a lower rate and you sell it at a lower rate, but at least you're building equity. There are way too many people here caught on the rental treadmill where they're just paying so much in rent they'll never be able to save enough to buy a home or own a home, and that is you know until that and, and there's always that insecurity of living in a rental unit and what's going to happen and you know will my lease get renewed or or whatever um getting to people that point of security where they can feel they're invested in Squamish I I think is really important you know people have to see a future here if they're going to kind of invest in community volunteer come out and stuff um so there's there's a Worcester model um there are federal rent to own programs other communities have worked with developers to say okay you're going to build a hundred houses or a hundred condos let's have a few available under either a rent to own program or purchase at a lower price program. And then that housing society will qualify people, you know, cause anything you do time, anytime you do anything below market, you know, you got to watch for the vultures who are going to, you know, run it the wrong way. You know, if we could get to that point where people are, are building equity, then that's great. I mean, it's just heartbreaking that so many people are, you know, paying more in rent than a lot of people who bought here five, seven, ten years ago are paying for mortgage for a full. A, you know, they're paying more in rent for a two-bedroom apartment than people who are, you know, paying a mortgage or for a single-family house are paying. Right. So. So I see a dichotomy because you want to build a rental pool and you want to have people live here, but then we need space for the tourism. Because you mentioned before that you, you believe the current council has a bit of a disconnect with the trail system and, and everything else, which is part of our tourism, which is a big industry we have here in Squamish. I think the two big things that make money uh, are property taxes and the tourism sector. And if there's that disconnect, how do we do both? Because I mean, where are the beds for the tourists to come here? Um, because I mean, it's the it's the overnight stays that make the money, not the people driving in, doing the biking, and then driving out. There, there are needs mm-hmm. for both, but how do you manage both in the limited space we have in Squamish? 
Yeah, so interesting you mentioned the the tourism because Squamish, although we've become pre-2010 to now this tourism mecca, we haven't built a new hotel since um, the Sandman, I guess, was probably the last one to come online that became online just before the 2010 Olympics. So we've had this huge growth in our tourism and we haven't created the hotel rooms. One of the things that I... I've stayed in other places and I think would be great in Squamish is kind of those strata hotels that are actually designed to be, you can own the condo, you can live there. And if you're not here, you can Airbnb it. We get a lot of, and I was talking to real estate, real estate agents and uh, mortgage brokers when we had that huge real estate boom um, a few months ago. And they're, you know, who's buying here? Who has this kind of money? And it's a lot of it was people coming very wealthy people from Ontario or, or Alberta who going to come here and going to live here half the year you know they're kite surfers so they come in the summer or skiers they come in the winter and that i think if you know if you open up to hotel possibilities the strata units so that people can and, and, and you know explicitly legal for them to airbnb it short-term rental it certain times of the year and uh, or when they need to and then live there other parts of the year so you you create your hotel rooms you create bona fide investment properties that are made for investments and that so that is something we haven't done um you know, van life is something that, you know, the district seems to have wants to go away. But the fact is, I mean, the first night I stayed in Squamish, I was the back, you know, the, the chief campground was full. So we was in the back of a pickup truck, you know, um, just kitted out with a sleeping bag. People, <laughs> you, you tell the story and there's a lot of people back, you know, who have that kind of similar story. They first came to Squamish and, and that and that's what they did. So. You know, and a lot of businesses would not survive without their van life employees. That's that's the only option they have. You know, that's that's the other end of it. And that and you drive around anywhere in Squamish and you see in all these driveways there's transit vans and sprinters that are all kitted out. Every you know, all these people from Squamish are going to other communities, you know, on their on the weekends or on their holidays. I'm sure people are gonna be coming here. It's just the way tourism works. We're an adventurous group of people and we like to get out and see things and people love to come here. Tourism, I mean, Swamish Tourism has revenue. How do you create the facilities for that too? Um, is, is, is so is that, is that where the disconnect is that you're referring to? Yeah, um, kind of the issues around the Adventure Center and where Tourism Swamish lives, you know, a bit of that. But there, Tourism Swamish generates their own revenue um, through the hotel room. So they've got that, they, they, you know, and, and they can allocate that where they need to. So, um, and there, I mean, there's no restrictions on that. There, there's opportunity. I, I don't think the district has their eye on that ball. So you touched on it in your answer. there. short term rentals. Yeah. There, there seems to be a, a bed deficit when, when we talk about recreation tourism in Squamish and you, you touched a bit on short term rentals. Are you in favor of the current, uh, regulations and restrictions on short-term rentals or would you be is it something that you think needs to be revisited De- definitely a tough issue because potentially a lot and, and you know people were getting you know kicked out uh, of their rental unit where we're really limited in supply for in favor of short-term rentals because people could make more money that way you got to be careful but um there were probably the people who had you know it's actually where my my, my mother and father come and stay when, you know, but we won't, we'd never rent it out, but we'd maybe Airbnb it, you know? So, so I think, I think the district did go a little too restrictive there. It, it's, there's a lot of um, people to make happy. How do you balance that out? But there were very limited number of units available. And I think there could be more in that, that, that sector has to grow, right? Um, you know, people could have a place that they do for students during the uh, school year. I know the the house down, they were looking for they have a very hard time placing all their international students. So you could have, you know, maybe maybe some people do that during the year and then summertime 
the Airbnb it. So you've got units all, that we need all year round, but you can't bring in a renter for two months when your student's gone. So you're trying to increase the pool, and, and but then you also want to increase the other pool for long term, uh, for long term renters. And that and this is where I. I feel that the district kind of didn't calculate properly. I think they're trying to increase the long-term rental pool. But I mean, if you look at Tofino, it didn't work for them. You're right. It is complex. It's too many people to make happy, but you have to lean one way though. So would you, would you try and revisit the, maybe the enforcement or the guidelines around it? And where specifically could you do that? Yeah. So you're, I mean, one of seven votes, if council wants to revisit it, I'm certainly keen to have that discussion to look at things. Uh, I, I think council went a little too restrictive and to have that little more opportunity and flexibility, I think they didn't get a lot of applications for you know people doing it legally. So then people do it illegally and there's no repercussion. There's, you know, uh, you know, a lot of like, oh no, not Airbnb, it's just friends stand over, you know, um, stuff and that. Uh, you know, and residents have every right to be concerned about parking and partying and that too, right? So how do you prevent that? Um, you know, so I think there was... A little, you know, maybe where you, you only for owner occupied um, might be kind of the. I'd probably only look at owner occupied largely, and that, um, and then you know, is a place space appropriate. But my my feeling is the district line did a little too restrictive on that. We touched a little bit on economic diversification. We've actually spoken a little bit about two of our largest uh, industries in town, which Mark has pointed out would be development, building, mm-hmm. and tourism. What can we do from a District of Squamish perspective to reduce the burden on the residential homeowner tax base. Most municipalities, what? 48% and we're over 60 in terms of budget. So the budget of the district here Mm -hmm. is reliant over 60% on property taxes, whereas the BC average is 48%. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Um, So yeah, we lost our industrial tax base, you know, Interfor and wood fiber as a pulp mill. So hopefully, Woodfire LNG is obviously, you know, likely coming, you know, they're spending a lot of money and, you know, you don't, you, you only do that when you're really insecure. Um, Enbridge just bought in. So, you know, you can look at that as happening over the next few years. That's another housing crisis waiting to happen when they get all the staff. But anyway, another question. No, well, you know, that's, that's <laughs> one of the issues that, that's out there is that we have this multi-billion dollar project coming and the councils doesn't seem to be dealing with it. And, and, you know, I've talked to people on both sides of it and everybody blames everybody else, but like we were all here when the highway was being built, it was a $600 million project and it was tough here. And this is a much bigger project and they're, they're going to be, yeah, challenging. We have to make sure that those, wherever we can, we have to plan around making sure those impacts, whether it's safety, housing, employees, you know, those there's there's gonna be impacts in Squamish too, and that so big big thing coming, and actually no one's talking about it. So. Well, we need to get the taxes from them. Yes, and definitely need to get a, a great tax deal from them that they you know when I was working from home they kept on talking about that being a great promise. You know, uh, tax base, community management contribution, something. Yes, so that that will help. It, it's it's tough for businesses in Squamish though. I mean, even the district had you know in the in the paper um, last Thursday had 21, 22 positions advertised. The number one issue is, you know, finding employees. It's not employment. Why is this so hard? Because people have such a hard time finding a place to live. 
So, so we're we're trying we're trying to bring in more business though. So we have a big tax injection coming from WLNG. Well, at least we're hoping to get a big tax injection from them. Where else can we diversify the economy to bring in more? Um, I mean, is, are we talking about BC rail yards? About redefining that and maybe growing on that? Talking to the provincial government. What kind of industry should we be looking into? Uh, yes, housing is an issue, and we need to you know get a big housing pool so people, when people do start business here there is places for them to live, but we also cannot be funding everything off the backs of the, of the property tax owner. Yeah. I'm kind of a hands-off industry type of person. People have ideas. They think they'll work, you know, uh, Hey, let's put a gondola up to the middle of there. You know, is that going to work? I don't know, but they had the vision. They put it together. Great business opportunity, combustion solutions, carbon engineering. There's a lot of Great people, great ideas. And, and when council gets in and tries to micromanage that, they don't have the knowledge. They don't have the experience. They shouldn't be second guessing the business decisions of people who are willing to put their money, their their time on the line to create the businesses. So the businesses, you know, it's all about the creative drive of, of the individual people behind them and that. But when they want to come to Squamish, and it's one of the biggest challenges is finding a location and finding the employees. So people come here with ideas. Pro-business, you have to make sure, though, that they can find a path to creating yeah, the business. Yeah, and I mean, that speaks to the interconnected piece that we've talked about. Yeah. All of these things are interconnected. It all starts with money. <laughs> you know, where do we get the money from? You know. Well, yeah, and then, but some groups are paying more than others, and that's and that's why we need that, that diversification of money or injection. So we talked about LNG. We talked about how we kind of need to guide industry to be able to find their way. And you did bring it up earlier about gas because you, you, you've worked on the marketing side for gas. Is this still something that we should look into extending our boundaries to include? I mean, you've got the insight, so I want to hear what you think about it. Probably more insight than most. So number one, they're partnered uh, with Squamish Nation. Squamish Nation has a lot in their plate. They've got this project in Burrard. They've got two or three other projects in Squamish. I don't know if this will fit float to the top of their priority list over the next four years or not. As far as the, the boundary extension is a um, referendumable question, if that's the word. Mm -hmm. um, council can't unilaterally expand the boundaries or at very least it's open to counter petition. And if 10% of the population signs, we'd have to go to a referendum on whether to expand the boundaries. I would really have to look at the numbers and see what the best option is. Definitely pluses, particularly the, the big plus would be a little more control over what happens up there. Um, make sure they create their employee housing, make, you know, make sure the impact is positive for us. How, how, how does the connection between town and here work? Yeah. So I think, you know, they're doing some interesting work there with uh, finding water on the mountain. Uh, I think they're, one of their plans is potentially have just a gondola taking people up as opposed to the road. So the main and, and a walkable village, some innovative ideas, some really good need integration with first nations, um, culture and stuff. Um, so number one thing I'll say about that, though, is that if it goes ahead, they've said before, and we have to hold them to finding another location for the snowmobilers. Don't snowmobile, but they've got an amazing location up there for snowmobilers. The proponents and Squamish Nation will have to work with the snowmobilers to find before I'm really keen to have that conversation. So. So I'm actually kind of amazed we made it this far into the interview and we didn't bring up like a lot of the wants because everything is wants and needs in Squamish. We've talked a lot about needs. We, we haven't touched on any wants. Usually by now we've talked about Brennan Park and we've talked about uh, building up the amenities in town. And do you see any improvement on these in the next four years, uh, hopefully during your purview? Uh, so I think number one for Brennan Park, um, I mean, that's like a hundred million dollar project. So, I mean, I can say, you know, hey, new water park, million bucks. Sure. I can totally support that. 
turf fields for soccer. You know, that's another million dollars ish. Um, soccer can raise some money. We can give, you know, help them out. And that, you know, the turf field only happened because the kids play soccer for like three weeks and then it rains and then. No, actually they go a lot longer. They well, still, they, <laughs> my kids in soccer and I'm standing in the rain in December while they're playing. It's, it's goes for okay. a while. <laughs> yeah. Well, my fat, my last couple of years of coaching, it was like mid October, the, the field's too wet. And then, you know, you get another game in and big, first week of November and then it snows and, yeah. and that. So every then, year is different. And that, yeah. And um, back at it in February again yeah. in the cold. It's awesome. Yeah. Well, I think there was a couple of years there that the, the second part of the season never actually happened. You know, so it's, it's just the weather, but everywhere else, everyone plays in turf fields, you know, so you, you kind of open that up to, you know, the, the, the longer soccer season, but I think it maybe gives you more flexibility on Brennan Park with, you know, you want to keep some grass fields for sure, but, you know, for the land and that, but anyway, I can make a, you know, we can say we can do a new turf field. Um, we can, you know, do a water park. Those are million-ish dollars, things and that, and that's within the capability of Squamish Council. But a hundred million, you know, a, a proper Brennan Park would be a hundred million dollars-ish and that, um, give or take, uh, you know, give or take tens a of few millions. Yeah. Tens of and what do we, so, you know, what do we want there? I, so I think year one, we have to start on a plan and there's various plans, every Typical, and what councils have done over the years is they get in and, and then last year of the mandate, they go, oh, we haven't done anything with Brennan Park and people really want that, so let's do a plan. So there's there's older plans out there. Swamish has changed. I don't think it's, you know, a huge study or a big plan, but let's kind of pick out the priorities. Do we, you know, can we make it modular? Can we do, you know, a rink and then, uh, you know, the pool? And do we do more activity rooms? How do we create it, you know, somewhat of a community hub? People can have, you know, meetings and does performing arts fit there or does that work or not? Can we have daycare there? Um, the, the district had plans had daycare. Does that work or is it just too chaotic there to have that? You know, can we put housing on that land? There's, um, there's a covenant on the land. There's like no department of the provincial government where you go to get your covenant removed. It's uh, from what I've talked to people and that. So, you know, and it, the, the covenant's kind of vaguely worded. So, um, you know, how do you deal with that and that? So, there's some great idea of just me sitting around going, Hey, what'd be really cool is a retractable roof on the pool because that way you'd get year round uh, use of the, the, the splash park. Nothing is, you know, more unappealing than going swimming laps on a, th- when it's 30 degrees out on an indoor pool, but you, an outdoor pool, like kids pool, amazing on a nice day. Right. So I have no idea what that would cost. Um, but you know, let's have that discussion and see if this is remotely an option, right? Um, I think there's a lot of things to discuss, but if we can kind of over the first year get a good vision on what we want, what we need, you know, do we do we put a climbing cave in there, that kind of thing, right? Um, you know, is it oriented kids? Um, how do you facilitate seniors? We had a lot of, you know, we're all getting closer and closer to those days where we want the senior center and we want. Uh, the senior time at the gym or whatever, right? So, well, there is the 55, and that place yep. is empty a lot. So, yeah. <laughs> Brennan Park let's get a plan together and once we have a plan we can hit up businesses know our funding goals know our what finance we have available um, what we you know can we work into the borrowing scheme or not right so instead of leaving to the fourth year and saying oh yeah we got a Brennan Park plan I want to get started right away so we have this great drinking game in this in this pod shed here it's called every time we say plan you at home have we have to, to take a shot. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody's got to drink. Somebody's got to take a shot <laughs> because we say there is a lot of plan. I mean, whether the plans are being dusted off or we're planning to plan or we're plan 
meaning to plan a plan. Yeah. There's and a the, lot of plans. And the planning yeah. department not doing the appropriate plans for this plan, and then the planning department over planning this plan, and then that plan stays on the shelf collecting dust. So my question to you, speaking to plans, Mr. Gord Addison, is do you think we as a district of Squamish are doing a good enough job at planning? And I say that broadly because I mean it from, you know, from you've spoken about neighborhood plans. You've you've talked about uh, amenities and infrastructure and all these. Do you think we're doing a good enough job of planning and and enacting on those plans currently? There are plans. If you look back at the last yeah, Take a shot. <laughs> Steve, Steve's drinking. Okay, um, if the if you look back at the last OCP, you know, it, consultation, the OCP does that count as a plan? Does because the letter P is in that's there? a plan. I okay, mean, okay. official community plan. That's okay. a P in and the I don't OCP. get out of it by saying OCP. It's, 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 okay, it's somebody's title. drinking again now. It's in the title. Just said it again. Plan. Sorry. Um, plan. plan. You know, so I think there were council had a very strong, I'd say, ideological bent on where they wanted to go with that and you know when you got the questions they weren't objective questions i worked in opinion polling for four years right i know what an objective question is and what a push question is so i and i think a lot of residents have felt unhappy with that definitely neighborhood planning planning with more input from the residents and stuff like you know the people in brackendale love brackendale they know what makes it work um the people in you know various other places know what makes their community work people aren't opposed to density there's not necessarily nimbyism it's just like how do we do this so it doesn't impact our community right so you look you dive into the deep uh, the the deeper consultation they did in garibaldi estates people are okay with some things but they don't want you know as was talked about they don't want condo buildings next door to, or you know six-story buildings next door but you know hey um you know maybe around 7-eleven you know spectacle building if you put more up there there was another there was a building proposed there and, and there was not a whole lot of concern uh, raised online or, you know, the Facebook mob or anything like that. So there's places that people who know those neighborhoods. And, and I mean, one of the, 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 the provincial government is talking about taking out the public hearing process, um, which I think is, is just a travesty and something we have to kind of fight because through public hearings, you, you get a better project, right? You know, if you're building a big building in a neighborhood and you're impacting all these people, you should sit there and listen to what they have to say. And, so many times in Squamish, you know, you go to the public hearing, the the planner, they don't, you know, they've made decisions that they haven't really thought about, and that, and oh, you need a you need a, a playground, okay, you know, we can provide that. So what what amenities that does that community need? What are the traffic impacts? Those public hearings have been really productive. Uh, you know, they, they they tend to be you know stereotypes as people coming out with the pitchforks, but what you get is people who care about their neighborhood who accept that this things are going to change and things are going to grow they just want it to grow properly yeah and i think we we point to those examples you know the vla lands um a good one here close to home um brackendale the general store development people are concerned when they hear yeah. the word density it's it's a uh oh what's happened in downtown squamish is going to happen here next door to my house yeah so i think they are very real concerns i like the piece with respect to ensuring that there is public consultation I just think that the public consultation that's happened to this time, people are very weary of it. They they feel like it's more window dressing than anything. That that certain decisions are foregone conclusions, and you did mention that. Yeah, in, in uh, yeah, I wouldn't line. disagree with the the people uh, <laughs> on that. No, I I think and I, you know you kind of seen it where they yeah you know like say they they go in with and they've already come up with the answer that they want based on 
um, you know, projections and stuff. But and and when you look at it's one of the the things I think when you talk to the planners or you talk to I've gone to a couple of seminars online and that and they the vision always seems to be Vancouver and big cities, right? And all the all the big cities are talking, but we're not Vancouver. We don't want you know Garibaldi Estates is not the Broadway corridor. Brackendale's not Kitsilano. We we want to make our own town here. We want to keep that small town kind of feel that everybody loves and uh, not become that concrete. Um, and I don't think necessarily it's environmentally, you know, it's supposed to be environmental, but when you, when there's concrete everywhere, it's not really environmental. And there's, uh, and you know, this is, again, when we build new neighborhoods. I think it's uh, important to have that, you know, those wildlife corridors, those riparian areas that kind of interconnect things so that you still have, you, you still feel like you're living in nature, not in the West End. The OCP does speak to neighborhood nodes and, and neighborhood planning. Mm-hmm. And yet in those areas where one would think, where a citizen would say, hey, this makes perfectly good sense. This is where we're going to put that neighborhood node, that community centerpiece. They're already looking forward to actually developing the land and putting something totally different in there that doesn't suit when it's really the only areas that you can do it. Again, I, I think some of their the fears with respect to density are, are they're well-founded. All right, it's, uh, it's time to do the rapid fire time where we talk about the main issues and we kind of sort of make sure that we cover all the issues. Mm-hmm. So we talked about density at length and we, we talked about how you, you're kind of not happy with the density of the way it's going. But one facet I don't think we talked about the density is, is the parking issue. I'm actually surprised we didn't bring up parking earlier because we've been so busy talking about everything else. What do you feel about building a parkade or the issues downtown? I'm a hard no on parking variances for anything i mean i the the one in loggers lane east got a big parking variance but there's no cn right away there for people to park on i don't know what they were thinking you know um where where people can park happy neighborhoods have places for park and and everybody goes through um different phases in their life you know um you got two cars you got one car um you got kids and they got cars and their girlfriends are over and they got cars and that and you get a suite and the sweet person has a, a new partner so they got two cars you know People need places to park. A lot of people have, they have no choice. They have to take their truck to, you know, the plumber can't take the bus between his his his, his, his calls during the day, right? Um, and that uh, a lot of people need cars for various reasons. You know, with the weather we have here, not even realistic to, to, to ride part of the year. I And I'm, I, I'm a big cyclist, but I've seldom ridden to work. There's, you know, I, I had plans to ride to work, but then there's always, I got to pick up the kids today. I got to pick groceries today. I got a meeting after work. It's dark. It's, you know, sunnier than now, but the forecast is for rain tonight. And not only that, you show up at the office and there's three other bikes there and we get nowhere to put them. There, you know, there's levels of, of challenge in, in there. Um, you know, so we, we have the ideal, but it doesn't work for a lot of people. Yeah. So hard to know on parking variances. Whether we can get to a parquet, that's uh, another big ask. I'm just really keen to stop making it worse. Yeah, the parkade is the big issue. And I kind of see the arguments for and against. And we've had a lot of candidates come through going, I'm against it. And we had a few candidates who are like, I'm for it. I, I, get, I can see where you're like, I don't know about the parkade, but if you had to lean in a direction, what would... Parkades building up get expensive. And, and downtown's kind of spread out and you've got the oceanfront as well, right? So I, I was always intrigued. I'm not sure where it went. Patty Heinzman had this idea of, we got some diking to do around downtown and you could have parking under the dike. That sounded like a really cool land use idea. I'm not sure the engineering is viable or not, but something like that. I think, you know, yeah, why why just have dirt when you have some parking in that? Yeah, not making the problem worse would be my first priority. Uh, I'd look at a parkade. I'd see, hey, if developer comes in and says, hey, I'll pay for a parkade or we can work it into a new city hall. 
I'm all ears. But, you know, uh, taking $10 million out of the budget, $20 million out of the budget, and building a big concrete car- parkade. I mean, and, and in fairness, you know, some of the anti-parking people have a point. In 10 years, we might not need car. You go down to downtown Vancouver, and, and yes, people can li- live, you know, without a car or rent one out, and maybe we get there. My, my feeling on that is that land that is, is parking, and if you don't need it in the future... It can be repurposed. If if you build on it, it's gone. But if you know, you could have um, you know storage there. Who doesn't need storage in Squamish? You could put out garden boxes. You could have a, a little place for the kids to play basketball or street hockey, whatever pickleball courts. You know, um, to keep you up at night. Uh, whatever, you know, whatever that land could be. But if it's built on, it's gone. Uh, next up would be uh, the Garibaldi Estates in the VA lands. You are a f- kind of a no on that. Potentially. Uh, around the you know density around the um the edges on the highway or close to the highway if if it fits but someone wants to subdivide the house and put in a duplex i'm ears on that but beyond you know the, the high density they're talking about they you know, kind of been in talked about no uh gas gas is not really in our future you don't think gas is going to be an issue in the next four years at least they're working away but i whether it gets to the top of the Squamish nation agenda i don't know in that yeah LNG, you're all for the tax injunction. Yep. Or injection. You're all yep. for the tax injection. You know, we, we really have to have our eyes open and, and hold them to a high standard. And um, yeah, get get the tax deal they promise. And, uh, you know, work to minimize the impacts in our town. Crumpet Woods. Uh, already underway for planning. Um, kind of highlights how challenging, I think, of, of the land there, only 30, 40% of it actually could be, felt, you know, put houses on it and that. So... There's, you know, it kind of highlights the challenges of, of developing in Squamish. It's not a cheap place to develop. But yeah, I'm keen to see that go through. That gives us housing, land for housing, housing options. If we're going to get those injections of CACs or units for affordable housing, you know, the, the, the land lift is available in those re- rezoning those lands. And Chima lands. What I've seen so far, so 34,000 population, they can go. Uh, 22.5 or 22 if it, they see a significant community benefit. What I've seen so far, um, I mean, those downhill mountain biking trails are a benefit. They're great for some people. They're not a community benefit. There's, you know, uh, the upper echelon people ride those. And it's land they probably couldn't build on anyway, right? So I'm not seeing that as a significant community benefit. But if they want to actually come up with a real benefit for the whole community, let's have a chat about that. Um, It can help solve a connective. Right now, there's only two ways up to the highlands. Can we get a third option for getting to the highlands? That'd be great. There's pipes or sewage and stuff like that, you know, to, to get through there. That with with a solid recreation plan, with preserving those trails, with good connectivity to Alice Lake, if it comes up, uh, let's have a look at it. But significant community benefit has to be more than just some trails. So reconciliation, Gord, is at the top of everybody's mind right now, obviously, nationally. It's a significant topic that needs to be discussed. The District of Squamish and the Squamish Nation, but for the early 90s, have never had an intergovernmental accord. They don't have one right now. Uh, They also don't have a services agreement with respect to the reserve lands here in Squamish and the District of Squamish. Where do you stand on that, and how do you think we can we can broach that issue with the between the District of Squamish and the Squamish Nation? Yeah, one of the, I was shocked to hear that the Chikai Reserve down down at um, the intersection of uh, Paradise Valley and Squamish doesn't have potable water all year round. That you know, when I talked to Deanna, she's like, "Yeah, the district says we need a servicing agreement," and I'm like, "Why? I mean, you know, maybe there's things I don't know, but why can't we figure this out? Because there's a restaurant across the river." And, you know, another a ranch, you know, across the river. And I assume Paradise Valley has water. Uh, let's get them water. Uh, you know, 
what's the agreement? You can owe us one. I don't know. But um, it's when you hear about, you know, uh, First Nations communities without potable water, you're thinking northern Manitoba, you're thinking none of it. No, it's happening in Squamish. And that is top of my list if, if I get onto council is, is addressing that problem. Squamish Nation is now, you know, a big land player in Squamish, right? So you negotiate hard, but I think you need, need to come to the table and realize that it's reality that we can all benefit if if we come up with some good agreements and that and uh, and that they've they've got land around here to develop. They're partnered with other developers. It's a a, a big a, a big part of the future and and where Squamish grows. They've got first dibs on a lot of the land around Squamish too. Keen to have those conversations. Um, keen to you know find the win win and that and um, move forward on those. So this is the time where we let you do your spiel. So if someone says, what's your platform, Gord? You get a chance to give us your spiel or take this time to sort of cover something we missed if there's something you want to talk about. So the floor is yours. Yeah, I've been around uh, 26 years uh, in Squamish. Uh, I've climbed, I've mountain biked, I've road biked, I've gravel biked, I've swam in the lakes, I've done triathlons, I've run all the trails. I skate ski and ski tour in the winter. Squamish and the outdoor recreation opportunities here are very close to my heart. Uh, I can't see ever living anywhere else. I think that Squamish councils, I'd, I'd love to lend my voice, take my analytical skills and uh, my my need my, my love of policy and finding solutions and and bring them to the table. Uh, you know, there's the other can there's a lot of other great candidates running. Uh, they've all got great ideas and great ways of looking at things and. Uh, I'd really hope to be part of a team that moves Squamish forward over the next four years. Get us close to that vision of what we want this town to be. Um, you know, it's not another mini Vancouver up the highway. It is that, you know, we're an oceanfront town. We're a mountain town. We want to really preserve that small community feel. You know, I think we just need to kind of reset the the balance and um, be a little less ideological and, and a lot more realistic and achieve what we can. Uh, it's going to be a tough four years. This housing affordability is not going to go away like that. A, a great achievement if we can just make a little bit of progress on it and and get a few people into ownership opportunities and stuff. It's it's going to be you know a challenging for another Olympics potentially coming down the pipe. Can we get a little more out of that this time? This is a lot to do this next four years. Um, challenges, growing pains, and that. But let's not make those pains debilitating. Let's do we can and and again just focus on creating that great community that we all have where that, you know, that great spirit of volunteerism where people really feel connected and, and love their community. So Gord, if uh, someone wants to reach out to you, um, where can they find you? Uh, my website, gordaddison.ca and my, my phone number is, uh, well, I think it's on the website um, and that, or um, just drop me an email, a line, uh, find me in the street. I'll be at the all candidates meetings and that uh, I'll be cycling you up and down Paradise people Valley. people to call you? What? <laughs> apparently not it's part just, of the job yeah not yeah. just message you on social media and send yeah, you emails yeah. you want people to actually physically call you i've had yeah great conversation great random conversations with people right whether on facebook chat or um or yeah people just call me up yeah okay you guys lost me i thought all we had to do was comment on some thread on <laughs> facebook and that would get the most out of our elected officials well, I've seen yeah. I've seen you active on some of the election pages, so good on you for doing that and, and being part of the process and like and putting your hat in the ring and wanting to help your community. Thank you for joining us today, Gord. Um, and you know, good luck. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for joining us, Gord. For good luck in yeah. uh, in your campaign. Thank you. This is the Sea to Sky podcast. 
If you have a comment or story ideas, please check out our website at seataskypodcast.com or on Facebook and Twitter at Seataskypodcast. Thank you for clicking us on. 